Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast, Steve Sully Study. Got another pro boxer in front of me, a pro athlete, Mr. Big Bang. Welcome onto the podcast, bro, Piss O'Leary. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Amazing. No, um, no problem, mate. It was it was a long time coming. Oh, definitely. It was a long time coming, and it was just not obviously. I'm a bit OCD about my schedules, so I'm more so like, oh, I can't let that affect the training. I can't certain stuff, but listen, I'm free now, and it's just just kind of living the life freely now, just enjoying it. Good, good stuff. Um, Obviously, I want to talk about your profile, your career, your goals, your aspirations, and where you're heading. Um, obviously, you're undefeated, WBC international champ, and there's a lot of things that's you know mm. that that is planned for you in the future, no doubt. But before we talk about that, let's talk about recent events. You're a boxer, you're an athlete, you're you're in the mix. So I always like to get your your opinion. This week's boxing on the uh, last weekend was Chris Eubank Jr. against Liam Smith. I'm going to read you a quote, and I'm going to tell you why I read this quote afterwards. I only need to be 50% to turn up against Leon Smith. Now, I'm a personal believer of the law of attraction. I believe that words will become things if you keep on saying them time and time again. Do you think that quote, I only need to be 50% to turn up against Liam Smith, haunted Chris Eubank Jr.? A million percent. And how he worded it, it wasn't like I need to be fifty percent just to be Liam Smith. Was, I just need oh, it's only fifty percent that I need just to turn up, and that fifty percent then where's the other fifty, John? And that's 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 what started happening. That's the shot he got caught with, and he went down because he wasn't hundred. I oh, wasn't fifty percent. He wasn't hundred percent. Yeah, I, I mean, admittedly, looking at him when he weighed in and stuff, I mean, he looked the part. He looked absolutely shredded. But to be honest, he always looks pretty good, you know, even when he's not fighting. Um, and up until that point when he got clipped in the corner and he went down for the first time, I didn't think he looked bad. I think he was he, he I, looked all right. I thought it was a slip. Genuinely, I thought it was a slip until I, I looked back at the replay. But it was in the the, the third round when um, even John McNally which is Liam Smith's fantastic coach, and he even said about um, Liam Smith, he lost him in the third round. And I was, just like, I was a bit worried, I was like, this is going to end early here. If, if Eubanks is able to do this, and Smith just keep walking forward with his hands like that, so it's going to be a long night for Smith. And coming out in the fourth round, just don't know what, what the coach said in the corner was, but anyways, he came back out and stomped him, didn't he? Yeah. It, look, it's easy for me to say as just a fan and someone that mm. is not a professional boxer. I know, I know boxing kind of enough to have a bit of a comment. And it just seemed like he planted himself in the corner and didn't even try and get out the corner. He just tried to weather the shots and obviously got caught with that uppercut and then it was kind of game over for him. Yeah, as soon as he got caught with the uppercut, his, um, his legs buckled, went straight underneath them, tried to go back up um in my opinion, I thought the ref could have stopped it there and then. But gave him the chance, been a bit of doubt, and Liam Smith went back at it. Yeah. It's boxing, Steve. I, I, I ain't gonna happen. Yeah. It's, it takes that one shot. Yeah. So I'll, the, the next question I was going to ask you, actually, is Liam Smith winning, would you say that was fluke or strategy? Strategy. Because it wasn't, it wasn't just a lucky shot. He kept, he let flows go, he let flurries go, and... He, he obviously with Eubanks moving up and down, he 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 walked into an uppercut. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like if it didn't happen then, it was gonna happen late down the line anyways, because that was his game plan. It was to stick and move on the ropes, go up and down on the ropes and, and Smith just Smith he had a fantastic game plan. He all he done was jab at the body, jab to the head until he got in the inside. Yeah. As soon as he got in the inside then he started walking hard. Yeah, yeah. So do you think Chris Eubank takes the rematch, and if so, who wins that one? Um, personal opinion, I don't think he should. I don't think he should. I think he's weight drained, and with the obviously with Conor Ben and Eubanks, that was at one four seven, was it? Catch weight. Yeah. Like, so. like that's an awful lot of weight to take out of the body. Like you sure he wasn't moving correctly as where he was with um, what's that other guy's name? Liam Williams. Liam Williams. Like he was moving a lot then, but it wasn't like that with Smith. Yeah. So, oh, I don't know, that pound, the extra two pounds may, may do. Yeah. Um. So, there was a lot of, I mean, personally, I was really pumped about the uh, Chris Eubank, Conor Ben fight. I was really intrigued. I personally 
still would have favoured at that point Chris Eubank Jr. just because I think it was too big too quick too too experienced been in there with better people but now seeing his last performance I'm, I'm a little bit unsure um, I was guided not to see it I'm going to ask a bit of a hard question here and I've asked this to a lot of athletes not just boxers but mm. athletes in general if someone does get caught using steroids or sports enhancing drugs what should the repercussion be should it be an instant ban for life or should they be given a second chance? Uh, that's a sticky question, though. I think it should be banned, isn't it? For life? Maybe, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. It's just like... Boxing is a dangerous sport, Steve. Like, regardless of the, whether you're taking pads or not. Like, you can go out there and kill some. John, like, and it happened to... Uh, was it, it wasn't Sonny Liston, was it? He had a dream. And he went out and fought. And um, he, he, he had a dream that he's going to kill his fighter. He woke up the next morning, fight day, went to the priest, went to everyone, on cancer the fight, the priest gave him a prayer saying everything's going to be fine. He went out that night and killed him in the ring. So, uh, it's yeah, it's a sticky situation. Yeah. Do you know, funny enough, you sp we speak about this, you know, um, and I always, it's a bit of a, an in-depth conversation which I can talk to boxers about or MMA fighters about for, for a long time because it's a bit of a weird psychology, okay? If I were to say to any boxer, when I spar, you know, if I'm sparring someone I don't know, mm. let's be honest, if there's a bit of a heated spar, you, you're kind of there to hurt each other, right? It's a fight. Because it's, cause it's a fight and you're, you're, you're an alpha type male. Yeah. And, you know, if someone clips you, you kind of want to get one back on them. 100%, yeah. Um, and that's just the, the, the that's, normal instinct that's just that, that, that you've us. got. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever happens in that ring, you deal with it, and then afterwards you become pals again. It's just, 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 just what happens. But if I were to turn around to anyone, probably including you, and you're a nice professional fella, and I said, do you want to hurt that fella in your fight? You'll probably say yes. But if I then were to reframe the question and say, do you want to kill the fella? You're going to probably say, no, I, cer I certainly would. And I, know, I think I know you well enough. That's what you would say. But what is that fine line of trying to hurt someone really badly, but actually knowing that if you turn up too much, you could actually end up killing them? What is that fine line? As a fighter for me, Steve, there's no fine line. Um, inspired with your teammates, obviously you've 70%, 75%. It's still tough, hard sparring because you want to bring each other on. But we're not in there to try to kill each other. But in the ring, it's kill or be killed. And that's just the way I look at it. Like, I want to be safe. I've got, I'm now, I'm a father, so I've got a daughter at home and I want to go home with her safe. I don't want to end up anyway. Don't, I don't want her to be pushing me around the wheelchair or anything like that. So, listen, if, if it's the case to be, I've had to kill someone in the ring, that's what I have to do. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to pull out a quote made by the bronze uh, bummer, Deontay Wilder, he said this, in, in the last few years, I want a body on my record. Now for people that don't know what that means, he's basically saying that he wants to have someone dead Did, on his record. The thing is, you could probably say in the heat of the moment, being a boxer, being a, this killer, killer kind mm. of athlete, you could, you could, I mean, look at Liam Smith and Chris Eubank, they both admitted that during that weigh-in, and during the build-up on the fight, they said certain things that probably they shouldn't have said and they, they admitted yeah. wrong. Yeah. Deontay Wilder said this probably in four or five different okay. interviews, yeah. even when he's not fighting. Mm. So he can't be excused. I mean, do you think he actually wants to kill someone, Deontay Wilder, in a boxing fight? 100%. I think he wants that on his record. As you said, he said it many times, different occasions. Keeps bringing up in interviews, but... That's what he, that, if that's what he wants, it's what he wants, do you know? But at the end of the day, like, you know me, Steve, and you know other athletes, other fighters, we're not that outside the ring. We're totally different. All we're doing in the ring is just providing and looking for a better life. And if if it's killed someone legally and he's in the way, he's trying to kill you, well, then that's what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, sitting outside, sitting here now on a podcast with you, we don't no want to kill someone. So you don't want to live with that for the rest of your life, Joe. Yeah. But with Deontay Wilder, I don't know. Can he take him serious? Is he doing that to promote fights? Sell tickets? It's a weird one. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of examples of boxers 
getting brain damaged or, or, or being killed. I mean, I just wrote down here when I was doing my own research that 20% in bracket CTBI, which is uh, a brain damage um, affiliated injury, 20% uh, of boxers end up getting that, whether it's mild or yeah. quite severe. And if you really think about it, that's quite a high percentage, 20%. 20, 20 yeah. And my question always to any boxer or any MMA fighter is knowing the risks, how come you've chosen to take this craft as your profession and using it as a, a place to provide for your family? As I said before, like, as what you said about providing for your family, I just think it's a, I think boxing's a poor man's sport, to be honest with you. There's no other way out for Um I've got football, like football's like a work class area, like a lot of people play football, make it. Look at Ronaldo, look at Ronaldinho, Messi, all the good players, like they all came from nothing to the slums. But with boxing, um, same thing that goes with boxing, like it's just different sport. But with boxing, I think it's a lot more hunger. Do you know what I mean? And knowing that, right, my life is on the line here, so I've got to make it. And like having a kid now, it's beforehand it was I was like when I was sparring and when I was fighting I was real aggressive and wanted to hurt people but now I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking about defence I'm thinking about not getting hit so I want to hit and not get hit and that's the art of boxing you look at Mayweather he's still going who he's fighting 25th of February Arden Shaw like you never think of that do you know yeah. what I mean but he, he's now making easy money but as I said I think just a poor man's sport and um yeah, it's just come from nothing. You, you, you know you can make it when you have something. Put the time in and uh, anyone can get it. Yeah. So, like, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I'm 37, right? So um, when I was when I was younger, there was no such thing as podcast, social media. There was no such thing as YouTube. And all you went off is the TV or magazines, etc. And I used to have this perception that anyone on TV was very, very wealthy because, you know, they must be wealthy if they're on TV and they are famous. Mm. And I do feel that there's a misconception for younger people coming into a lot of sports, including boxing, that, oh, the moment you turn pro, you're going to be a multimillionaire, you're going to be uber famous, and your life is going to be sorted forever. Mm. A little bit that is true for football, because I've had some footballers on my podcast that a lot of people haven't even heard of, but they're, yeah. they were, they're raking in 10, 15, 20,000 pounds a week. week and they're not even you know, top premiership footballers. They might have had a stint in the premiership, but now they're, they're playing for different divisions. One of them is a, is a friend of mine called Simon Cox, lovely fellow, really good footballer. He's actually Irish international player. Um, but a lot of people haven't even heard of his name. And when, when they found out he was on 10, I think at one say 16 grand a week, they were, they were quite shocked. Now, if you look, if you compare that to a professional boxer, boxer maybe, yeah. maybe mm. who's not quite in the premiership, but a little bit below, what is the reality, Pierce? I mean, how much are these pro boxers actually making today? They ain't making much, mate. They're not making much. And a lot of people, like, like see, back then, like, you wouldn't have known what the figures of a footballer or a boxer was getting until now with the podcasters, for example. And even now, for example, a fighter who's on less pay than me has got as, has a bigger profile than me just from social media. And it may look like he's doing more than me, which he's not. And I'm doing most of it. Do you know what I mean? So, social media is just, it's, I use it to be full advantage because as, as we are speaking about, I'm, a, I'm now a brand. So, I've got to use that and build my brand for after boxing also. But with these guys coming up in the world now, think, thinking of boxers and more so social media boxers, they um, they look like they're doing everything. They look like they're winning multi-million pound going around renting Lamborghinis and stuff like that and think they, they made it where listen most boxers don't even scratch the surface yeah so okay I don't know how much you can uh, let me know but I remember having so reason why I, I know a lot of the guys down at iBox is because originally I used to sponsor Sam Webb okay who used to yeah. be a British champion and then that evolved into Bradley Skeet so I started sponsoring him and I remember having an honest conversation with Bradley Skeet, who, by the way, has been on my podcast as well before. He said, life only started getting good when it, you get to British level. 
That's mm. when you hit, back then I think he, he claimed he was getting about 35, 40 grand a fight. Yeah. And then beyond, that was, you know, a few years ago now, yeah. so things might have changed since then. Um, let's call, even call it 50 grand, okay? Yeah. I know you're WBC international champion. Obviously you're going to be pushing on very, very soon to, to other sort of titles. Out of a purse of 40 grand, how much of that are you actually keeping? 10% your manager fee, 15% your manager. Um, and then obviously then your cup, your cup man, but we, we, we got one big team as you know. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So what's that, 25% gone? And then obviously you got to pay your taxes on that as well. And then your trainer fees, something like that. So you barely break even, but yet at the same time, if it, if it was about money, Steve, at the very start, I would have packed it in a long, long time ago. And as as you know, I come over here to London with nothing. A thousand quid in my pocket, one backpack. I was only 19 years of age, didn't know where I was living. Didn't meet my coach yet, Al or Ed. I only heard of them, but um, we were in contact and speaking together about coming over. So that was it, I come over, a thousand quid, a backpack. Never looked, never looked back. Yeah. Never looked back and then fought for the WBC international title there. Three years on, changed my life. Yeah. So how did you have this, you know, knowing that a lot of boxers don't make it per se as far as, you know, becoming champion, growing his profile, making money, etc. How did you have that raw confidence to know that you would actually break through and start making a name for yourself? I just believe I had the talent, I had the heart, I had the dedication, the sacrifice, discipline so much, get the sport, everything right through the age of seven. So I knew, I knew I can't fail. I knew I'd been tested many times, mate. I was being living over a pub, Jordan Covey. I was um, over here on my own. I let me baby at home, made me girl up with Amy. I just, I just stuck her out, I grinded her out three, four months when she was only born. And mate, I could have just said, listen, this is not for me. It's too hard, I can't make it. I haven't got the backing, I have to go. But we just stuck her out and just kept on pushing and kept believing myself, kept praying and God gave me it. So there must have been the discipline, there must have been the, the tough days where you thought, I've got to do this anyway. But there has to be an element of you enjoy the struggle and the pain and, and being relentless towards progressing every single day. Even with like, where I come from is not really a great place. At the same time, like, it's a bit of a, bit of a shithole to be honest, growing up in a, you know, um, I saw a lot of things that I shouldn't have seen and being around a lot of things that I shouldn't have been around. But listen, that's just the nature of life. Um, you can either fall into it. Sometimes you become a, a product of your environment where I was very lucky the boxing kind of saved me from that. And I, I, I'll still hang around the same people who, who I grew up with. And whatever they do, that's, that's, that's up to them. Do you know what I mean? But I, I won't look at them any different. I keep doing what I'm doing. And then, um, yeah, and just bring as many people on the journey as possible. And back to your question again, Steve, like even, it's just the struggle. Do you know, like you're coming from a working class area, tough. Like there's a lot of wrongs than, than pros. There's a lot of cons than pros. So you just got to do, you got to make the most out of everything. But um, I just want to help my family, mate. I just want to keep on pushing, make sure there's no, no financial, um, help everyone financially, make sure there's no, there's no stress about any, any financial part. And just, yeah, just make sure, make everyone happy. And then just listen, if they need a bit of a voice, they can come to me. If they need, if they need anything, I, I, I want to be that person who, who can provide them for it. Yeah. So um, I, I want to talk more about your, your, your background and how you made that transition over, over here and, and really get to know your, your, your background being from Dublin, you know, the environment, etc. and then talk about some of the plans for the future. We did touch on like the YouTube Floyd May, Mayweather era that we're in right now. So I, I feel like there's the YouTube boxers and then I think Floyd Mayweather with Conor McGregor started this kind of hybrid type boxing. Yeah. Um, Nanganu, is it, coming out of the UFC? UFC, yeah, yeah. Fury. He's now talking <laughs> about coming out of the UFC, which he is, he's released out of there. He's saying he didn't get enough pay, yeah. enough um, no insurance, yeah. enough fights, etc. And he wants to go into boxing. He's actually calling out for his first fight either Fury or AJ. Now, I think writing's on the wall there. He's doing it because 
I don't believe he feels that he can win these fights. No. I mean, surely not. He's doing it to get the recognition, also get a big payday. Yeah. In in my firm opinion, but can, can, can you blame him? Um, talking about this whole kind of hybrid kind of style of boxing now, UFC fighters fighting boxers and vice versa. Do you agree with it? It is what it is. Do you know what? It has as 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 we said before, it has a pros and its cons. Um, like it's bringing more attention to boxing from the UFC fans and then it's bringing boxing fans to the UFC more so it's it's, it's mixing do you know what I mean and listen if it generates money and, and fans are happy with it why not yeah yeah why not? And, and the same question is about this YouTube boxing then I mean look I still feel that Jake Paul's gonna come unstuck when he comes across what I call a real boxer uh, someone that is properly fighting today yeah. who is dedicated to it not someone that retired from mma 10 years ago or something like that but i've got to be honest what he's doing right now is creating a lot of hype buzz <laughs> and noise and you can't take away from the fact that he's he's actually making a very successful name for himself mm-hmm. in the fight industry but what's your take on jake paul and this youtube boxing jokes isn't it that's my opinion i think he's a joke um he's a proper nonce and but at the same time, he's bringing kids to boxing. He's, he's changing people's lives. Like all these YouTubers, all these kids who who be mad in the computers and stuff like that, they're kind of leaving, leaving the house now to go to a gym and start to vlog and do stuff like in a boxing gym. We're, we're now living in a, a digital world. So the times times have changed. So mm. um, just like as, as we spoke about already, I'm now creating um, a YouTube channel for myself. And I was going back a couple of months, not even three, four months ago, I wouldn't have said, nah, I wouldn't even be interested in that. But now I am. And now everyone's jumping on it and everyone's texting me saying, that's crazy, that's great stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to your journey. So why not do it? And it's just bringing more followers to the sport, I think. Yeah. If um, KSI ends up fighting Jake Paul, who wins, KSI or Paul? Can I tell you the truth? I, I, I didn't even watch none of them. I never watched any of them. So I don't know how KSI fights. <laughs> he could have three arms all I know. We don't know what how he fights. And Jake Paul, I never seen a fight. Yeah, I still seen highlights like like the clip where he knocked the um, Joe Jones was it? What's his uh, name? The UFC fighter. Um, Anderson Silva. He beat Anderson Silva, and he also beat um, what was his name? Jones. Uh, Something Jones. I forgot his name now, but he had two fights against him. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, yeah? The black guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he, he, he ordered him out and he... Yeah, um, it'll come to me in a bit. I totally forgot John, his name John now. Jones. John but, Jones? No, oh. it wasn't John Jones. No, John Jones hasn't fought him. No. Right. No. So, uh, that's, how much, yeah. uh, that's how much information <laughs> I know about it. I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned about Floyd Mayweather against Aaron Chalmers. I saw that uh, come up on Ch- Aaron Chalmers' is, um, uh, Instagram yesterday, and I was absolutely shocked. I'm actually really happy for him because he's a power mind, yeah. but absolutely shocked. Um, really good stuff for, for Aaron Chalmers, but if we're being totally honest about it, Floyd Mayweather... Floyd Mayweather is probably the best boxer that's ever lived. Yeah. Um, is it just another payday for Floyd Mayweather? That's all it is. He hasn't fought in the UK yet, so he always wanted to fight in the UK. And with YouTube now, I gave him that opportunity. And there it is now. He's fighting the 25th of February. But listen, Aaron, like, fair play to him, really. Fair play to him. I, I hope he does. We know the results already, but I hope he does well and doesn't let the trash talk get through him. Yeah, and just he just stays focused, and um, yeah, this will give all the fans a great fight. I'll be chilling into a hundred percent. Yeah, I will, I will. And um, Aaron's a top top fella, and uh, he really yeah, he deserves really to school. get good. I, I met him once down in uh, Boots Gym. Boxing Boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, nah, top guy, nice guy. Yeah. So okay, you're from Dublin. Um, my second favorite drink in the world. I know you probably don't drink a lot because obviously being a pro athlete. But being Irish, you must drink a little <laughs> bit of Guinness. I'm sure I do, yeah. yeah. Um, whenever I think of Ireland uh, or Dublin, I think of a good Guinness. So do you have it over Christmas and stuff? Yeah, I had a, had a, um, I don't really drink. I'm not really a mad drinker. I like the, I like the socialise. I don't really like the, 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 the missing and all that kind of stuff. I just like to go out with, a few, with the, the missus and a few friends and I'll have a few drinks, but... I'd have it enough where I'd be able to train in the morning. Do you know, like I wouldn't, I especially wouldn't 
either 12 to 14 weeks before I even before I camp before I even have a fight before I even touch a drink so um, yeah I never really was even as a kid I never really drank I never drank as a kid um, up until the age of probably 19 when I was told after a fight when I couldn't sleep have a have a, a Guinness and that was like my sleeper had really? a Guinness and I went to sleep and ever since then I'd, I'd always like to have a Guinness after a fight or yeah or even if I'm out on occasion or something like that I'm not in camp I'd probably have one yeah, hundred percent. But listen, we call it the uh, the blonde in the black dress. The what? <laughs> the blonde in the black dress. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call it. But yeah, yeah listen, Guinness is probably my favorite drink. It is. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier about when you were younger, there were certain things that that were happening, certain things that you 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 saw that you shouldn't have seen. If I were to be in your shoes, what type of things were you seeing? Um. I don't really want to say too much on the camera, but I'll just listen. We, we like, when growing up and we were in the like chilling out and hanging around corners and whatnot, like things are up and people are up and all good, you know what I mean? And listen, when you heard a couple of bangs, we knew what they were, so listen, we went around saying whatnot, and listen, we just kept on going from there. But yeah, listen, as I said before, it's not really stuff that I want to really talk about on podcasts now, but. Probably in the future I will, but we'll, it wasn't nice to see, and I wouldn't. And for me now, that even even for now, like that drives me insane. Like pushing so hard, that's why I, I like I walk so hard in the gym. People say I overtrain. I just want to make it over there, and that's really it. I don't want me. I don't want to like my like future kids and my daughter now. Saying no times are changing, but I don't want to see let them see what I'm saying growing up, and I don't want them to be in an environment where I grew up. Which is it, it's still fantastic. It gave me everything. It gave me streetwise, smart head and shoulders. Like I could wipe anyone out. Really, do you know what I mean? Like like smart boys and yeah. It just it was has a pros and a cons of growing up in the middle class. But I don't think I'd change it. Yeah, I don't think I'd change it for one bit. Like I think everything happens for a reason. You see certain stuff um, that could haunt. Like if like if I took a kid from from uh, a wealthy kid, say for example, and I took them to in, to my place and put them in my shows and let them say they, they probably froze and you trauma for the rest of their life. Where yeah. that doesn't for me when I speak about it, it feels normal to speak about it. But when people are when when I'm getting the the feedback of people when I speak about it, they're, they're looking at me like if I have ten heads. But for me, Steve, that's just normal. That's yeah. just a normal way of living and seeing things that I shouldn't have seen. As I said. And then um, collect the things that I shouldn't have collected and stuff like that. Like just, just growing up in Jerome. And um, well, listen, boxing saved me. Hundred percent, boxing saved me and took me over the whole, the whole situation. Yeah, I wonder. I, I mean, I, I don't know if we're gonna ever have like the science or or the actual um, percentage of of people that break out of that mold and they pursue something different. But the drugs, the violence, the gangs, that that sort of culture in any part of the world where people are growing up in and around there's going to be a massive proportion of them that actually get stuck and they actually find themselves in that environment and growing up in that environment and they either get killed they either become addicts or they end up going to jail and why is it only some of some of them end up breaking out of that it's it's just a sport i think sport once once you join uh it could be football anything like listen i've done everything boxing uh football Mount across on the bikes, like I've done it all, and obviously you mount across. You you you're out acting the bollocks on, on on the roads and you're driving around. Where that was that kind of went out the window for me then because I didn't really want that football. I was now wasn't gonna make it, so it wasn't time putting all my time into it. Boxing, I just had the ability. I think it was just the anger I had, and that was my temptation. Just the that was my therapy. Just. They, they release everything do you know what I mean as a young kid like getting in there like getting hit in the face but it was legal you could you could enjoy it so I, I used to be always street fighting and stuff like that as a kid Um, I used to be a proper little yeah it's mate it's mate it's, it's nuts how things change for me but just just growing up in general like out collecting for Halloween um, up to no good late nights um, it's just general growing up as you like being around the drugs the violence, um, 
I was always a kid. I've always, I've always, um, I've seen a lot of people make a lot of money in a couple of hours, two, three days. Close friends make serious amount of money, and I, I was just there on my own, not part of pissing, you know. But I'd, I'd never go and do it. I always knew boxing was gonna give me the the life that I always wanted, and here I am now. Like it's, I'm not even scratching the surface yet, but it's gave me so much, taught me so much, lessons that I learned for a lifetime. And I can only share the experience with people. Yeah. But, but like, I still got friends who are stuck in that situation back home. And it ha not haunts me, but it hurts me knowing that. Like, they could have done something else and they could have done this, they could have done that. But you, you try to help so many people so many times. And the not throw back in your face, but it's hard for them to, to escape it. You can't escape it. It's too hard for them. You just have to leave and be and just keep, you just, I've got to stay focused and just say, listen, if in the future where I'm able to have them as a team where I could pay them a wage, it's like, right, you, you this and you do that. And then I have this guy over here to do this. That's why I want it. Do you know what I mean? I want to have my close friends and have a good, good, solid team as a family. And then just live the experience and just live the dream. Yeah. Um, one thing I said to Mick Conlon on the podcast, and one one thing I've always said about, so my granddad was Irish, yeah, partly Irish from County Mayo. Um, I've, I've, I've obviously been over there, and I've been to been to Dublin only once. One thing that always comes out, my impression of the Irish is they've always got heart. It doesn't matter whether they're playing football, boxing. I mean, so many great fighters have come from from Ireland, and then even in business. Why is it that the Irish are known for their heart? We're just known for always fighting, aren't we? Yeah. Like that's the history of of the Irish. We always fought. Um, it's it's actually crazy that you do say that because when I first joined the Ibox, um, I just wanted to fight. Like I, I'd take punches and I want to fight back. And they're like, you, you've got a lot of balls, a lot of heart, don't you? And it's like, yeah, where I come from, that's that's why. Then every time you fought a fight, I'm always, I'm always told use your head not your heart and that'll that little saying just changes everything for you you yeah. go out there you want to box smart don't you don't want to get into a tear up or anything like that you want to stay safe and just just yeah just box and win but i agree with you um i think we all have heart regardless and it's all pride yeah uh uh Jarko used to be yeah. down your your stable and then obviously you've got dennis mccann who's also another irish fighter what was that like, you know, having having two other Irish fighters with you, sharing training sessions with them and also sparring them? It was great. Listen, like, with Kevin, like, I actually lived with Kevin for a little bit. And, um, he, yeah, he was he was unbelievable. Like, he was a lot older than me. And I knew Kevin from the high performance days back home in Dublin, trying to get out and stuff like that. And I always seen, seen what he did and I always look at him, you know. And he was extraordinary, like, fa fantastic fighter, unbelievable. And then he just kind of felt like he got a bit um, stuck where he kind of like wanted to progress a little bit more. So that's what happened to stay at uh, Kevin. And then with Dennis, another Irish for a fantastic talent, very good. Me and him growing really, really well, gel together. And it'd be sick if, like, obviously it won't happen now, but back then, like, I was always thinking, it'd be great if we all got an Irish, like, a nice, a nice card back home in Dublin, wouldn't we all fought there, or even Belfast or something like that. And yeah, but obviously that won't happen no more. But yeah, it was fantastic. I thought. Yeah. With like literally having having having, you feel more home if you know what I mean. Being away, being away from home and having an Irish fighter there, who's on the same journey as you, chasing the chasing for greatness, it just pushes each other, and it feels more home there when when Tillys are out bombing together and stuff like that. Like it doesn't doesn't feel like you're away. Yeah. So I asked you off camera, how did you come up? How did you plan or decide which promoter, which trainer, which camp that you're going to be a part of? Because that in itself is quite a a big, big decision and can be quite risky as well. Um, so what happened was, I, we obviously I started my career back home in Dublin and spent, had three camps back, back then and after after Christmas then we were meant to fight in February so the plan was I'm about to get three fights in the plan was with my amateur coach Philip we'll, we'll, you can push out to the UK then and expand so we're like 
Yeah, perfect. No problem. And then um, it, just, it, it, it came to that just like that. We, we, like, it was crazy. It happened so quick. It happened overnight. And I found myself in the airport with a thousand quid in my pocket and a backpack slave, as I said. And went to, obviously, I knew I knew, I knew the likes of R, Eddie Lamb. Um, I had, obviously, was texting Dennis for a bit. Um, and obviously Keevan as well I was texting and they kind of advised me saying this and that and very good why don't you come over and try it out I just literally grew up and left didn't know where I was staying hadn't a clue went over and um, met up with Keevan stayed with Keevan for a bit and then just went from there I didn't even I didn't even take a trial I've done like two days three days or something like because I had no choice it was either going to be a camp together regardless and then make me decision I'll go somewhere else. Things just snowballed on from there. I just kept on going and going and going. I loved it. Fantastic treatment like family. Um helped me out so much. Being over, invite me around for dinners. Like I class them as our family now, German and it's just it's pure loyalty. And soon as my contract was up then with um MTK back in June and that was it then. We just weighed up our, our options, see where we went from there. And then my advisory, my advisor, who's friends with Frank, and obviously Al's friends with Frank also. So we went to them and um, blew the offers out of the table. So we're like, right, perfect. The yeah. roadmap that they had set out for me was fantastic. The other, the other guys hadn't had no roadmap. So um, it was like, right, where, where do we sign? Signed it, got ourselves, and then got me out on the 16th of July straight away in a month made a fantastic debut for uh, BT Sport and then next fight was for the WBC International and that, that was it and just goes to show because I'm now top 15 at tw- 15 in the world in the WBC ranking so that like, it just goes to show how much they believe in my talent to push me that quick so I expect the European title soon and then um, yeah, we, we'll just keep on pushing on climbing the ranks yeah who would you say ultimately taking yourself out of the equation is the better promoter Frank Warren or Eddie Hearn um, yeah again it has its pros and cons um, Eddie Hearn I think now is in with the big fish he's Canelo Joshua like where Frank is more loyalty and he builds you as a fighter and he'd, he'd even say to you he said oh I, want, I probably couldn't give you that go elsewhere he'd wish you the best of luck do you know what I mean where I feel very content now, work, working hard. I've got loyalty, I've got a good team around me where he'll just want the best for me. So for Frank, I think he's going to do a, a tremendous job with me and build me. Good stuff. So um, the, the the next kind of two or three years, if you were to visualise and tell me how that's going to pan out, what does it look like? I'll be a world champion. In the next three years, I'll be a world champion. Maybe a multiple-weight world champion. Um, we just have to wait and see. But before I'm able to wait, I want to unify. I want to uh, undisputed fight at 140, which is 10 stone. Um, win those titles. And then maybe even defend them for a couple of times. And then move up. But well, next three years, I can see myself being a world champion and bringing big time boxing back to Dublin. I truly believe it. I think this year is the time to bring back um, bring boxing back to Dublin. Yeah. So you're, you're super lightweight, is that correct? Super lightweight, yeah. Okay. I'm a little bit not as knowledgeable down in the lighter light weights who's, who's actually some of the big fish there. But name some of the big world champions and um, is any of them that you really got your eyes on right now that you you think you could turn over? Yeah, you've got the likes of Josh Taylor, Jack Cattrall. They, they, they were in the fight again. That fight is now off. Um, you've got Zepedo Lopez, which is a Latin American. He's... He's a WBC champion. And then you've got Progress, uh, Progress. He He's the world champion as well. So the, at once, remember, they've done the Super Series where all the the top the top 10 guys went into the series and then the best man won the whole belts then. So Josh Taylor won that. Obviously then he, he fought Jack Hatrell. Then the WBC made certain... Um, made him vacate belts or something like that for some reason because he was holding for so long he wouldn't fight the mandatory and then it just went on from there so the belts now are, are now scattered everywhere so I think there's four champions four champions in the weight where there should have been just one 
So pretty much they're up for grabs. Yeah. So do you look at every single person in your division today and you think you could beat them? 100%. I totally agree. And listen, you look at Devin, Devin Honey, 22 years of age, Teofimo Lopez when he won against Lomachenko, 23. I'm now 22, going 23, 28 of February. It's it's my time. I feel, I feel like it's my time. If you were to step up to their weights, you know, Devin Haney, etc., even start pr- approaching the likes of um, Davis and Garcia, etc. Mm. How do you think you get on get on with them right now? Yeah, grown really well, mate. Really well, but they're they're lighter. They're a lot lighter. Oh, they're lighter. Yeah, yeah. They're they're two weights two weights below me, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But mate, I'd love it. I'd love it. I'd even love a spar. It's like I don't think they'd have much on me. And that's the truth of God. I don't think they have much on me. I, I feel like I'm, I'm up there with the best, and I'm just I'm, I'm just a dark horse. I'm, I've always been behind the camera. Um, I've never been really shown, but I think this year with BT, they're gonna they're gonna blow me up, and especially with the performance I'm gonna put in. Hmm. Why are you known as Big Bang? Big Bang, yeah. Um, that that happened back in the day when I was when I was sparring as a kid. I used to be about 13, 14, sparring all the lads, 16, 17, 18. Because I was Spartan and I was a bit of a block, you know what I mean? They used to call me butter behind back in the day. <laughs> and um, yeah, I had, I had the power and I was destroying everyone that, like, at my way. So I had to spar, I always sparred all the people. As soon as I started sparring all the people and I started developing that a bit more power and getting all of myself, I started um, not, not only haunting people, but I started knocking people out. And that was it. It just came from a fought in National Stadium. In a, in a in a national a national final and I stopped the guy and I heard oh I'm big bang and that was it as soon as I heard that got out of the ring grand got pictures as you do receive your medal and a lot of people just stuck with that because uh, the, the place was jammers and when one said it everyone heard it so everyone just went with big bang so I said listen there is what it is we go with big bang then what's your signature shot oh, I left hook to the body oh, I left hook to the head yeah. Yeah. I used to go. I used to be mad for the right, but I, like, I just like setting things up now. Listen, I've got, I've got, I've got the power on both hands. So um, once I don't rush and take my time and just set the shots up, I just come. Cause I've been doing it inspired, and I've been doing it. And the last fight I had was a guy who was tough, tough. He was very tough. I think we, to be honest with you, I don't think the the res the research on him was was done properly. It was. 18, 18, one and one. So eighteen wins, one draw, one loss. Unbelievable. He he fought for the WBC welterweight, and he came up short against a guy against a good guy. And so we're like, right, we'll, we'll take him and see what he's like. We only seen a, a minute of him, so we're like, yeah, we'll deal with him. I knew I knew comfortably and confidence in myself that none of these are on my level, regardless. None of them are on my level, but it was the I wasn't prepared myself to go the distance. So when I went the distance, I was like, oh, that was a bad performance, which was, it was a fantastic performance. And I looked back on the fight and everyone else was saying, oh, you went 10 rounds. And then I looked at the positive side of going 10 rounds, make championship weight for the first time, dealing with the media, doing so many interviews, um, check weights because we were forced title fight. The pressure around the forced title, um, it was just so much. And when I realized and I came down off the bus, after about a week or two, I was like, well, I'm not learn so much there. That's mm. unbelievable. I'm, like, I'm so thankful and glad that I went those rounds where I now look back and say, right, I can do 10 rounds easy. I can maybe push a little bit more if I needed to be for an extra two rounds, for 12 rounds. That's no stress. I pace myself well. Um, don't go too much up for the power too early on because I still had power later on in the rounds. It was just, it was just chilling me as a, a complete fighter. So I have heard a few trainers say, some trainers believe you can develop power, and obviously you can to a certain extent. And then other people say, well, he's never going to be a puncher. You've got to harness the strength he has and then work on these other attributes. But my question to you, being a a fighter and someone that's known for knocking people out, can you become a knockout artist or are you just naturally born with that gift? I'm just naturally born with that gift. Like I was always, as a kid, I was always solid and always strong. Do you know what I mean? I was always, yeah, I was just, I was always that. Like, 
I'd have no fear and hurt like that, do you know what I mean? And I was always, I, I always had that, that punch me. So when anyone started, I mean, or anyone started with mates, I was the first one in. Where now, if someone done that, I'd be the last one in. <laughs> I'd be thinking about my safety force, do you know what I mean? Because I'm just matured so much, but it's, it's, uh, I, always, I always had that power growing up where I, it gave me no fear. Yeah. It gave me no fear. When you look at someone like Deontay Wilder, who basically just touches someone and they go over, like, what's your, what's like, what's the third thing that comes to mind when you see stuff like that? That's scary, pal. That's scary. Like, even with the time when he knocked um, Ortiz out with the backhand, it's like someone shot him. It was like, it was like a gunshot going out, hitting him in the head because he just, as soon as he heard it, the sweat was bump, his head shaked not clean out and it was on it was on the top of the forehead wasn't it yeah and it was on the forehead that's serious power if any of us or anyone between the middleweights done that you'd probably break your hand yeah easy all day long there's so much going for boxing but there's also you know people are criticizing certain elements of it um we spoke about you know the youtube and also we spoke about you know the the kind of hybrid version of this boxing now which is one element the other side of it, which I think the UFC has got it spot on, and I don't think boxing has, is you've got the WBO, IBF, IBO, you know, WBC, etc. There's so many world titles. Do you think there's too many world titles? Do you know, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so, but there may be too many belts. That's the thing. But as in, like, coming up before the world title, if you know what I mean, Every, everyone's a champion in the way, but... Mate, like to be one champion that he'll be fourth in the rankings, and be another champion who's second in the rankings, and then obviously you have a, another interim world title holder who's fourth in or whatever like that before they're actually champion. Maybe that, maybe that way, but I don't think there's an. Um, I think as the WBC, WBO, WBA, the UBF, I think they're perfect, mate. I like everyone wants to have them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the other way of thinking is if there was just one belt and you just knew the only world champion in that division was this guy, let's call it the WBO, yeah. he was number one, there would be no question mark who was the best. No. And doesn't it create a bit of confusion that when there is multiple weight, sorry, multiple world champions in one weight division, it's a bit who is the best? Yeah. Well, I understand where you're coming from. I totally understand. And... I'm being biased here, so I just I. It gives everyone else a bit a, a chance. It gives everyone a chance, and back to the Josh Taylor thing and Jack Hatchell, where the super serious. Um, you look at Carl Fudge, George Groves, Andre Ward. They done it also. I think I just think um, I just think you should do that every every four year or every five year, and not leave us for so long. Do you know what I mean? Where there's one champion for let's say until they lose so whoever wins the, the super serious wins all the four belts and then they'll defend it how many times you want it until until they lose and then as soon as the belts go up you leave them free for an extra three four years again and then start up again yeah that, that's my opinion that's what i think i think that'd be great but where how they are now it gives everyone a chance do you know what i mean and everyone gets a payday it's boxing at the end of the day so i i'm currently finishing off barry hearn's book called my life i believe it's called i think i'm on chapter 13 or 14. he talks about when he took on chris eubank senior said very very skillful fighter legend in the sport very very good personality to sell a sell a fight made a bunch of money back in his heyday but he actually said that when chris eubank came to him he said i don't want to fight anyone undefeated i don't want to fight any southpaws or anyone under 26 years of age or something like that and he was allowed to go around fighting the people that he basically was choosing. And I still feel that there's a little bit of that today. Boxers who are got the big profile world champion who are selling the fights, they can kind of pick and choose who they want. But in, US, in the UFC, you're told who you're going to fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, I agree. But UFC is different. The UFC is different rules, but I was just... When you get to, when you get to the the likes of Canelo, Canelo picks and chose who he wants to fight. The likes of um, obviously Fury as well. He 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 picks and chose. It's when you get that high profile, you can do whatever you want. Mm. You, you owe everyone. Uh, um, you, you're not owned by anyone no more. Yeah. You you're the man. 
you could you could say whatever you want. No yeah. one's gonna do that. Yeah. John. Do you ever look at something like the UFC and think, you know, in years to come, when I've done everything I wanted to do in boxing, you could convert over to the UFC? <laughs> I loved it. 100%. I loved it. Um, I wouldn't be great on the ground, but, like, I'd give it a go. I love. I always like like the Troy MMA train. Just different. Just to switch off from boxing a little bit, do you know what I mean? And just, oh, you're staying fit. More network. You meet more new people. You meet the people who's just like you, but is, is in a different path, different mm. career. Yeah, I like to do it. Yeah. I like to do it. Let's talk about heavyweight boxing. Uh, it's been a very, very uh, successful and interesting division for the last few years. I mean, so so many great names in there. Deontay Wilder being one of them. Uh, Fury, Anthony Joshua. you got Dylan Wyatt and there's a bunch of others in the mix. Um, Joshua, he's obviously had two back-to-back losses and he's had three losses on his record so far. Do you think this next sort of comeback version of... of for him is kind of make or break and where does he go next? Yeah, definitely it's, a, it's definitely it's a make or break, but I just really think he should just he he personally wants the the big fights to get his name back out there, to win the fans back. Really he should just he should just take a, a nobody for now. Get the get the mix feel the fans out again. Feel how the venues are all set up and stuff like that and build his confidence back up. And then 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 put yourself back in the big in the with the sharks. Do you know what I mean? But for what he's doing now and wants to fight, like for example, Fury or something like that, that he should not do that. His career will be ruined totally. How do you think he gets on with Fury? I think Fury beats him well, handy. Probably even stop him. Maybe even stop him, yeah. And uh, Fury, sorry, Joshua against Wilder? It's a tough one. Probably Wilder. Very, yeah, probably Wilder. I'm. I'm, I'm very keen on Anthony Joshua, but he he changed his life dramatically dramatically as well. But I look, I look, rather than he's got a great career outside boxing, so he just needs to be a little bit more smart inside the ring. I think about like it, that's just a boxer's ego. But I reckon he, his coaches and his promoters and stuff was like that is telling him, well, take this fight, don't take him, take him in eighteen or uh, six months, eight months down the line, then take him. Mm. Let's take him now, build the fans back, win the fans back, sell out rain. It's um, Anthony Joshua's back for him, da da da, back winning ways, and then put yourself into the mix with the big dogs. They were talking about uh, Dylan White uh, part two, you know, their second fight. Um, I think that was going to be scheduled some point later on this year, but then I think it's sort of been fizzled out. It's just stuff I was reading, yeah. reading online. I know he won by knockout last time, but I do think both of the fighters have developed and slightly changed since that first fight. Who wins the second fight, Anthony Joshua or Dylan White? I reckon Anthony Joshua. Because he has that confidence over him after beating him already. Yeah. But with Dylan White now, he has a new coach in LA, if I'm not mistaken, is he? He's training out in LA. I think he was in Portugal. No, he, he lives out in Portugal, yeah. but he, he, he went, he, he done... He fought the same night as me on the 26th of November. I don't know who he fought, but he done his camp out in, um, out in LA. Really? Yeah, for eight weeks. So yeah. he's at change. Maybe he's changed for, better for himself. I don't know, but I just think Joshua do him again, maul him. Yeah. It gave him that more confidence of rather than staying back off as he did, he'll just walk forward and just do him. Yeah. He wouldn't be as fit as him. So, um, you mentioned about your developing. I mean, you're still very, very young. Next few years, you're going to be world champion. And then you're looking to step up and become multiple weight world champion and unify, etc. Once that's all said and done, and you might have a little stint in UFC, right? You've got this YouTube channel. You've got businesses. What? How's your life going to be looking at that point? Um, sit, sit on a yacht, <laughs> smoke a cigar. <laughs> Drinking Guinnesses. Guinnesses are a real whiskey on the ice. Or <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I just think um, I'm I'm someone who, if that ever did happen to me, I'd, um, I wouldn't, I couldn't I couldn't be I couldn't live with that for the rest of my life. I'd have to keep myself busy and into something. You know. So I want to build my name up, build my businesses up, um, meet as many network or just network as much as possible, meet as many people. And then just go from there then, but I'd probably get into the real estate. And then just, just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Just keep walking hard. 
So, um, so to, it's fair to say, making a, an assumption, making money, becoming a very successful business person, becoming a brand, becoming a multi-millionaire is important to you. Very important. It's the most important thing. Um, after the world titles. So the world titles are forced. That's my job for now. Then after the saying, when that's all secured, then I'll push on. But for, I can see myself, like a lot of people saying to me, oh, I should get out of the sport and I told you this and that. I'd be lost at 30 years of age. Like, my life was like really be only starting then, do you know what I mean? I think, I'm thinking we down boxing until I'm 35, 36. Depends on the punishment now. I just got to be smart, smart with trying, um, and just think outside the box. But I like to live my life after, um, after boxing, doing some, maybe even involved in boxing a little bit, because I couldn't, I couldn't take one, me both feet out of boxing. I'm yeah. lost without it, and yeah. especially at that at that age, like you'd be doing. What's the average age of living now? Eight years of age, seventy five, is it? Something like that, yeah. Like that's forty years of forty years doing nothing. <laughs> so um, you'd be dead and all again at sixty five. Yeah. Doing nothing, so I want to be kept busy. I want to be flat out working hard, achieving bigger goals, and um, yeah, we t- bring boxing back to Dublin and just promote it. So once you start making that that big money, you do want to treat yourself. I see you got lovely Rolex on. Tom Ford glasses on, dressed really well, immaculate. So clearly what comes with being a success, being a great boxer and also a business person is the money and then you start treating yourself on certain things. Yeah. What's the first nice car that you're going to buy? First nice car I'm going to buy? Um, probably a G-Wagon. Yeah, I want a G-Wagon. Because you can write it off your taxes. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I always want, growing up I always wanted a G-Wagon. That's me, that's me, me, me dream car. And um, I walked around here in Mayfair and just looking at it and say, yeah, I like that, I like that, I like that. Yeah. Like, and I want one with the the, cu- the open custom. That's the one I want. That yeah. one's just the plain one. What about a Ferrari Lamborghini? Um, I'm not really keen on it. No? Nah, if, if it comes, if it comes, it comes. Do you know? Um, what else? And then obviously you have the, 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 the G-Wagon 6x6. You've also got that. And then... Yeah, mate, you're just the same one. I'm, I'm just, I'm into, I'm into the fashion, I'm into the cars. Um, I'm not really into the nightlife, so that wouldn't really affect me. But but for now, I need to be very, very smart. I've got a great, great team around me and a great revisor who doesn't let me spend any money. He doesn't, he, he just save, 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 invest, invest, invest as a young age and... I've got to make that sacrifice because for me, I'd love to go out and buy that that's C sixty three or that AMG car, or whatever, um, or a Porsche or, or the Range Rover SVR. I'd love to go out and buy all that, but that that stuff that comes down with value, that their liabilities, you know, man, it ain't about me no more. It's about me, my future, and me and my kids, and I just need to leave something for them because, I, as we said, I've just spoke about about. Boxing, how dangerous it is, Steve. You don't know when your last last walk it was going to be. Yeah. Um, when I when I think about RF fighters as well, and I think about the the Ferraris, the big houses, the whiskey, I do think about the number one Irish person coming from the fight sector, which is Conor McGregor. What sort of impact has he had on your life? Um. Do you know what? As a, as a, a complete opinion, he had a. a a huge impact on my life. Um, grew up same way I grew up. Um, worked hard, believed in himself. Yeah, again, as we spoke about the law of attraction, he's a massive believer, just like I am. And uh, as soon as you put the hours and the time in, are all just snowballs, Steve, and it all just happens. And you don't realise when it happens. Like, and even for me now, I visualise everything that I have, that what I have now, and. People say, oh, yeah, I should be grateful. My dad said, I should be grateful you have this and you have that. But it's human nature. I, I always want more. I, I can believe I can always get more. Do you know what I mean? And and when when I'm so settled and I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed, I feel like things are going so smoothly. I'm looking for problems. I was like, this, is, this shouldn't be happening for me. This is going too, too easy. I was like, what's happening? Who's doing what? And I started looking for problems. And I started getting a little bit more depressed when I get depressed, that's when I walk hard and that's when I drive and I know I'm focused then. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I know he's a massive advocate of uh, the law of attraction and he, he speaks about it so well in a lot of his videos. And I mean, he even predicts that the shot he's going to knock one of his opponents out Literally, in. look, and for example, there, just getting back to the law of attraction, he, what McGregor said about, about the left hand, as soon as he lets his right, as soon as Jose Aldo lets his right hand go, I'm going to clip him on the le with the left. That's exactly what happened. And um, just before my last, the two, two, three fights ago, I think it was, last summer, when I fought a guy called, called um, Marslecht, he was like eight wins, seven KOs, and um, I think I was actually only eight as well. So four fights ago. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, he's knocking out everyone. I, I, had a I would have had a tough, you know. So I was like, I need to be switched on here. And then um, just one fight week, I woke up one morning, yeah, and I said to, me, said to me, one of my sponsors, I said, I'm going to knock him out with your left hook, watch this. He said, ah, no, no, don't be thinking like that, don't be thinking like that. I said, trust me, when you say this, told everyone, no one believe me, no one, don't be thinking like that, don't think like that. I, I kept saying it and saying it and saying it all the time. I said, it was a shot, it was a left hook, boom, I just, it was perfect. I didn't, I didn't even try for it, it, was, it just happened. And then um, I went back, Back in the dressing rooms, I said, I told you it was always a left hook, wasn't it? And they're all like, they were all amazed. It's like, how did you make that happen? So I just visualised it. I said, I've seen it, I've seen it so many times. And then um, even like, I've got a video on my phone and I have the title on my phone of the WBC International Title. And I had that, I kept visualising that all the time. I said, oh, I kept writing down my stuff and keep any time I was out running alarm your phone sound I'll speak to myself a little bit, you know, and keep keep, keep motivation and um so yeah, so I kept on going. And then when I won the title, everyone's like, Oh cheer up, cheer up, this and that I was like, What do you mean cheer up? I said, I'm happy. He said, Nah, no, nah, you didn't crack a smile, crack a smile. And you can actually see this in the in the YouTube uh, on the second part of the, the vlog. She said, Smile, cheer up. I said, I've already lived this. So I lived this time already. I said, I'm, I'm at the main here already. This is my second time. And they're like looking at me, just like, like to say, what? I said, yeah, I've lived this already. I said, I said this is what I'm at the writing down to my goals and this is what's on my screensaver since since August. And they're like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Mm. And even even when I came here, like, as you said, like, come, come to London, they're not really having that hand. Just believed in me, Sammy. Just believed in her and just, just, just read it. And that was it. It just happens now. Yeah, it's powerful. Um, so, visualization, affirmations, incantations, just positive thoughts in, in the atmosphere. Is that something you have to work on every single day? Is that something that comes naturally to, to you? Or do you have to remind yourself, look, I need to stay focused? I sometimes I have to remind myself I need to stay focused. But another thing, like, I think it is a little bit natural. Um, I've always done it as a young age, Steve. And obviously, as McGregor had a massive impact on me, went on YouTube, so easy to get. Went on YouTube and just seeing, like, visualisation. McGregor speaking about it. You know, going to the car park, looking at the car park spot. He always, like, and there'd be days where he, he wouldn't have gotten it. But that's just like me. If something was going my way that day, stay focused and keep on walking. And, and believe in yourself and... Uh, uh, Listen, things happen. That's just God testing it. Whether you still keep faith or not. Yeah. So okay, you're 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 out back in in, in April. Where can we expect to see you? Yeah, be, back, you're, back, you're fighting. Back out in April. Um, I think it's it could be London or Belfast. Um, it's not it's not released yet, but it's looking like April, mid April. So I'm looking forward to that, and I will will be defending my title, my WBC title. Cool. And then when I, so you mentioned about European title, when do you think that will be happening next? Um, we're, we're pushing on quick for that, so we plan on having that at the end of the year. End of the year, of the and year, then you yeah. reckon in 2024 you'll be pushing on for a world title? 100%, definitely. That's what I, that's what I need and that's what I want. I say, boy, next summer, perfect time. So if you were to estimate, predict, guess, law of attraction it, who do you think you'll be fighting for that world title? Um... I don't know, to be honest with you, I actually don't know, but I, I feel like I have it. I feel like we, I, I know the, the, I know my route where I'm going down, and I know it'll be American, I reckon. It'll be an American fire. On their soil? On their soil. 
2005, yeah. 2005, it won't be. Even if it's in their back garden, I'll still have it in there. And I'll still eat a barbecue then at the winning. <laughs> Good stuff. Right, I'm going to ask you one last question, Pierce. So when I came up with my first ever company when I was younger, it was sales. They used to have, yeah. I don't know, 85, 90% of the people on that floor was predominantly men, young men, alpha type males. Um, as good as they were, there's obviously a lot of problems when you have a lot of males working on, on the sales floor. So I come up with a mantra and it goes like this, be happy, never content. Now I used to say that to them, I used to have it up on the walls. We've got our own interpretation of what that means. But after I were to ask Pierce, Big Bang, O'Leary, what does be happy, never content mean to you? Um, I work hard, mate. I, I don't, like, it's hard not being happy and, and content. Like, if you, yeah, you're still going home, you're still living at home with your mother or someone like that, or you, you haven't got goals, you haven't achieved any goals, but yet you're still content. That, that, like, you've got the you got to be reaching your goal. You've got to set goals, reach them, and then be happy. And that's just, that's just being it. Um, if we don't reach goals, I'm not happy. And that's the truth. And I need to reach those goals. And um, for me to be happy, that's to make everyone else happy around me. Good stuff. I really appreciate your time. I'm very, very excited to see your career develop and your brand develop, most importantly, as well. I'm definitely going to be supporting and I really, really appreciate appreciate your time today, Pierce. Thanks very much, Steve. I really appreciate for having me on. Thank you. Fantastic and job, uh, if everyone's enjoyed the episode, obviously go and follow Pierce. Be happy, never content. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and thank you very much once again for your time. Cheers. Cheers.